First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 41, the ultimate investing tax guide packed show this week. If you're listening, please five-star rate, review Apple, Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening, you want to subscribe. This is helping out the podcast. We're doing a great job, Team News Jeep. Subscribe, rate, review, five-star. Let's keep this going. This week, obviously, we're going to talk about what's in the news. There is a lot. It's a jam-packed news. I haven't stopped watching CNN for the past 36 hours, 48 hours, whatever. It's just been on. It's even on in the background right now. So we have that. We have our finance roundtable, which is huge. I get so many tax questions, even though I'm not a CPA, I might as well damn be. Um, so I'm going to talk about investing in taxes and how that relates for people out there, the ultimate tax investing guide. And then finally, we'll talk about what's going on with me. So thank you, as always, for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we have a jam-packed show. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's in the news? First, start with our market update. Um, <laughs> very volatile markets, um, and but we're higher. Uh, the market has shot up tremendously on Wednesday. Uh, futures are up um, pretty pretty significantly Thursday morning before the market opens today, as I record this. But as of around eight a.m. Eastern time, S and P futures are up about um, almost two percent. The Dow futures were up almost uh, about one and a half percent, and Nasdaq up about two and a half percent. Um, and as of close Wednesday, the the market was the Dow was up one point six percent, S and P up two point four, and the Nasdaq up nearly four percent. Um, this is pretty much primarily, you know, it's driven by what's going on with the election. So, every a couple clients have asked me about what's been going on. Um, again, people, what you hear don't always take into effect as far as you know the fear mongering. If someone says that because certain candidate wins that the market's going to crash, that's not true that's not how things work um so but pretty much one investors like the fact that yes um as things sit now we are looking at possibly you know candidate joe biden holding on to to a thin lead in some crucial states and getting the edge to win uh and then we also saw that the republicans will probably keep hold of the senate which would reduce the prospects of substantial regulatory changes and potential hefty increases in capital gains tax, which we're going to talk about later um, under a unified Democratic Congress. So pretty much that says investors were happy that um, obviously, you know, the presidential side probably as it stands now. Looks like Joe Biden will win that. But on the Senate side, which is the third branch of the government, which I'm not some political science major, but, you know, the third branch of the government, the Senate side will stay Republican. So that will in effect, you know, for investors, help ease their mind when it comes to regulatory changes that would, when it comes to capital gains tax or anything related to, you know, tech companies. Um, so investors feel easy uh, on that, which might have been the best outcome for the market. You get 
a little bit more calm in certain areas. And then also you have um, some changes regulatory that may not go through based on that. So that's the big driver right now. Again, markets up heavily today. We still have um, CNN. I'm still watching it. They have (laughs) the numbers have been the same for like, what, 24 hours? How is this so compelling when nothing has changed? I don't understand this. Uh, (laughs) But that's 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 going on right now. And the markets have responded um, in kind, um, especially tech 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 securities up heftily uh, based on that news. So that's kind of a market update. Again, we'll be watching that closely, well positioned with my clients um, in that respect. What else? There is other news this week, uh, even though it doesn't seem like it. Nestle. Nestle, America's favorite, America's largest food company. I didn't know Nestle was America's largest food company. That's quite interesting. Make a bunch of things that you we all eat. I'm sure Hot Pockets, Kit Kats, all that good stuff. But they're buying this company called Freshly for $1.5 billion. Freshly is this healthy meal subscription startup that sends you buttered salmon, kale to heat up in between Zoom calls uh, or just heat up and just have. But Freshly ships more than 1 million meals per week across 48 states, and they expected 430 million sales um, in 2020. So in effect, um, Nestle just bought them at three to four, 3.4 times revenue. Um, quite interesting. So they bought them at 3.4 times revenue for about 1.5 billion. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think it's just a move for the subscription services. I probably would get on a subscription food service. Cause I'm someone that doesn't like to cook. If you know me, I don't like to cook. will never want to cook or like it. So I'd rather just have a prepare, prepared meal prepped every week. I can eat the same thing every day. And that's how I rock out. So um, I think it's a good move. We'll see how this plays into Nestle's um, bigger vision and strategic for the company. But it's a fast-growing company that's obviously friendly in this time where people want things shipped. So that's an interesting play and a smart play. So I think last week we talked about Dunkin' Brands a little bit, but they have agreed to be acquired by Inspire Brands for $11.3 billion. Remember, Inspire Brands owns, it's like a private equity company that owns a, a lot of different companies, whether it's Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Sonic, and they went after Dunkin' Donuts for 20% premium over Dunkin's last closing price on October 23rd. So they are buying Dunkin' Donuts, which pretty much this... Aspire brand is going to really streamline, make it more efficient, probably cut overhead and expenses and possibly fire people, unfortunately. Uh, but if you've ever been to a Dunkin' Donuts, I don't frequent it. But if you've been, there could be some um, need for upgrading and some different things to help uh, the company. But the company was actually doing well. So I think it was more of a play for Inspire brands to play off that, increase things in areas where they see that they can strategically or maybe logistically do things better. But that is an interesting play and something that's already been closed. So we'll see what happens with that. Next up, AMC. We talked about AMC last week as well. Follow-up news. This is follow-up news week. A lot of follow-up news. AMC says that they are looking to raise up to 20 million, or excuse me, 50 million in new capital by looking to sell up to 20 million of class A shares. So they're doing a secondary offering uh, to the market, to the public. The world's largest cinema chain, which has been slammed by the coronavirus pandemic, is set to report earnings on Monday. But yeah, they've just been hurt. So they're looking to raise money. They need cash. Their cash port position is dwindling because they don't have anyone in theaters. They're still not open. Theaters are still not open in New York City, which is something I've been waiting for. 
but AMC is saying that they need cash and they need it now. And so they're trying to raise money by selling shares, which um, we'll see if they can get raised, get that done in the sense that, you know, the stock price is dwindling just based off of, you know, future expected earnings for investors is low prospects for that. Um, next up, Ant Group, another follow-on story, because we talked about this last week. Ant Financial, Ant Group is a Chinese fintech giant that was supposed to go public. We talked about them possibly going public, but that's been shut down. They're supposed to go public in Shanghai and Hong Kong. Um, you can think of Ant as Alipay. Um, it's just like a, a financial, big financial lending app. Uh, but anyways, they were supposed to go public. It has over, Alipay has over 1 billion users. Ant Alipay is their, is their um, kind of their way of doing business as what they use as their um, way to do business. Um, but it has over 1 billion users, making it the biggest financial app in the world. Uh, they were supposed to go public, but the IPO was suspended due to vague regulatory reasons. So pretty much the Chinese government didn't give much reason, but said you can't go public right now. Um, and yeah, and they had to return money to institutional investors. The IPO was oversubscribed. Um, it was a big deal. So Ant had to apologize to investors and plans to return the money collected, but they are not able to go public. Reason being Chinese government called them into a closed door meeting, called Jack Ma into a closed door meeting. And they didn't really explain what or why, but they just said, you can't do it now. So the Chinese government's definitely um, big on control. And um, this seems like they didn't want something to to go forward with this right now. So um, that, that's what's happening. That's an interesting story. We'll keep our eyes on, on that. Next up, I thought this was an interesting story because I've never heard of the company, but Reef, which is essentially the WeWork of parking lots. So pretty much um, they turn underused parking lots into neighborhood hubs. Uh, they lease and manage lots that provide hardware, software, and electricity to transform these underused parking lots into something else. And they raise $700 million to dish out mobile kitchens. So Reef wants to bring delivery only kitchens, health clinics and retail pop-ups to your neighborhood lot. Um, minus the, so it's really just like a an interesting play here. I don't, I've never seen one. I've assumed they'll be in New York and there might be already, but they raised 700 million. It's interesting to see companies, these big startups that are getting money and why. Um, I don't know why, cause I, I don't know that sounds like interesting. It's gonna be hard to make it work, especially in this time. But um, maybe in as as we get past these times and we go to better times for the the virus, then this is a, a smart play. But we'll be watching this closely. I thought it was an interesting story because I've never heard of Reef, um, but I'll be on the lookout for that. A couple other quick stories: Ferrari's stock surged as supercar orders bounced back to pre-pandemic levels. So. People are buying their supercars again, um, so that's good to know. <laughs> and Under Armour sold one a app that I use pretty much every day, and I have for like many years. My Fitness Pal. Under Armour bought them for five hundred seventy-five million in 2015 and then sold it to three hundred for three hundred forty-five million. They just didn't do much with the app. Even I didn't realize it changed from when they bought it to be prior to when they didn't have uh, possession of it, which I've been using it for many years prior to twenty fifteen. Um, so that's quite interesting and something to keep our eyes on as well. Under Armour struggling, struggling retailer. 
but yeah, that's our that's our update for for news, the market update. Hope you guys enjoy. Next time, next segment, we're going to talk about the ultimate tax investing guide. Stay tuned; it's huge. The ultimate tax investing guide. Next up, stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back. Financial Roundtable, gather round. This one's important. We're talking the ultimate investing tax guide right here, right now. First things to talk about um, as to preface and to disclaimer, I'm not a CPA. Um, People, one, I'm not, but I could be. It's really not that hard as far as understanding tax laws readily available online. The IRS has their guidelines online. Anyone that wanted to understand some sort of tax code could just literally look it up. But I understand people don't have the time to, so they use experts. That's totally fine. Two, you're not going to avoid taxes. So a lot of people like ask me how do they avoid or pay, don't pay. You're not going to avoid or not pay. That's called evasion, tax evasion. You'll go to jail for that. So stop trying to avoid paying taxes or evade any taxes. You will pay them. And that's okay. There's ways to pay less, sure, but you're not going to evade. You're not going to get away from it, or else you're going to go to jail. And number three, yeah, this is this is good. I hope we learn about. It. There's ways to do use investments um, to lessen your liability. There's different ways. There's loopholes. There's all these different things. Again, I'm not CPA, but I darn well could be with all the questions I get asked about it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about investing and generally. So let's just talk about an investment account, a brokerage investment account, just a regular investment account. What is the implications for that? What you have there when you grow a brokerage investment account, when it appreciates in value and you sell, you have what's called a capital gains tax. It's a tax on the growth and the value of investments occurred when individuals or corporations sell those investments. So if you don't sell, if you have an investment account, you don't sell, you're not having a taxable event. You're not getting taxed. It's not a taxable event. Barring dividends. Yes, that, that might be the only exception. We're not going to get into that right now. But when the assets are sold, when the stock or the security or whatever is sold, the capital gains have been realized. That means you've actually realized the gain. And that's when you have a taxable begin. So the tax doesn't apply to unsold investments or unrealized capital gains. So stock shares that appreciate every year were in co-capital gains tax will not incur capital gains tax until they are sold, no matter how long you have it on. You can literally have stock for hundreds of years, whatever, passed on to your kids. You'll never pay tax on it if you've never sold because you just pass it on to your kids. You can you can actually pass, people do that. They pass securities on this day. They pass business on You can do that and you'll never pay tax on it because you have not sold that investment that you have not realized in game. But what is the capital gains tax? Capital gains tax applies to profits from the sale of assets for more than a year. So that re- refers to as long-term capital gains. So that's the thing. When you hold it for longer than a year, when you hold the asset that you have, the, the security, the stock, whatever, you hold it for longer than a year, it's referred to as long-term capital gains. And it has a lower tax rate than ordinary income. But the rates usually range from 0 to 15 to 20%, depending on your tax bracket. I would say most people are on that 15% range, um, and that's what you'll pay. That's why when Warren Buffett says, oh, I paid less in taxes than the secretaries because he has all his money in investments. And if he sells them, he's probably paying 15 or 20% t- 
tax rate versus ordinary income, which is going to be a little bit higher on your ordinary income tax rate, right? So that's the capital gains long-term tax rate. Short-term capital gains is assets that are held for less than a year. So if you buy a stock or security, realize a gain or it grows in appreciation, then you sell it, but you've only held it for less than a year, then you're taxed at your ordinary income rate. So that's something to understand on that. But um, another thing is tax, taxable gains for the year are reduced by the amount of capital losses. So if you actually hold the stock and it depreciates in value, goes down, the stock price goes down, and then you sell it, you take that versus against your capital gain. So it's a net thing. So it's a net capital loss when you sell an investment for less than you purchased it for. The total of the long-term capital gains minus capital losses is known as the net capital gain. So you net those out to actually see what your amount that your taxes are actually assessed on. So that's something to understand about a regular investment brokerage account, um, which again, I have many for my clients. We usually always have an, a regular brokerage investment account. Now there are IRA accounts too, individual retirement accounts, which I encourage people to have because they're tax advantage retirement accounts. People always ask me, oh, people don't understand. 401k is different from an IRA. One, they're different. Two, you can have both and should have both if you work in corporate America, but yes, yes, they are different. And two, they don't affect each other. You can have both. You can contribute to both. You can do whatever you want. You just have to understand what you're doing. And they're not the same thing. People always say, oh, I already have a 401k IRA. I'm like, that's, they're two different things. They're not the same thing. Um, that's why people should definitely work with expert because a lot of this is confusing and hard for people to grasp. So let's talk about that. Obviously, in IRAs, you know that there are traditional IRAs, which is a pre-tax account, and there are Roth IRAs, which is an after-tax account. But quick overview, summary of IRA rules. The maximum con contribution for 2020 is 6000 or 7000 if you're age 50 or older. Contributions could be tax-deductible, and we'll talk about that. Investments in the account can grow tax-deferred. We'll talk about that. And in traditional IRA, withdrawals and retirement are taxes, ordinary income. Um, the IRS requires, so you actually be required to take money out of your IRA accounts and traditional IRA when you're 72 um, years old. It's called required minimum distribution. Um, and then unqualified withdrawals before the age of 59 and a half may trigger a 10% early withdrawal penalty. So that may, but we'll talk about that. Let's talk about the traditional IRA. What is it? Obviously, it's a, just an account. People that also think that IRAs are like, they set your return amount. No, they're just a regular account where you can put contributions into, which can grow through investing. That's literally, that's bare minimum what it is. And there's obviously tax implications for them. So you can obviously contribute to traditional and Roth in the same tier. Let's talk about the traditional. Traditional IRA, again, it's a tax-deferred account, meaning the money that you put, contribution that you put in there could be tax-deductible in that current year, but you will obviously pay tax on it when you withdraw later at income, at a, your income rate at that time. But how does this work? The income, there's income limits that apply for you if you make that tax deduction for 2020. If you're single or head of the household and you have you make sixty five thousand or less, you'll get a full deduction for all the contributions you make to your traditional IRA. If you make more than sixty five thousand but less than seventy five thousand, you'll get a partial deduction. And if you get if you make more than seventy five thousand, you'll get no deduction. So that's just saying all the contributions you make, you can get a tax deduction for those contributions in your traditional IRA, and obviously you will pay income tax on it when you withdraw later. 
um, if you haven't already. Let's say you have already on this on this money that you contribute. Then you do you're able to fill out a form that says, "Hey, I've made a contributions that are that this money has already been taxed. Do not count this as something that will be taxed." I mean, it's called the eighty six oh six form, which you can fill out and say, "Hey, I've contributed to my traditional IRA. I wanted to max it out or whatnot." This is after this is money that's already been taxed through my work or whatever. I want to fill out this form that says I don't get taxed on this. So that's another thing too. It's eighty six oh six form. So that's something to understand. But yeah, the investments in a traditional IRA, they grow tax deferred. As long as the money remains in the IRA, all the gains and even the ones generated by selling appreciated income remains off uh, Uncle Sam's tax rate. They grow tax deferred. But when is the tax due? The tax are due when the money is withdrawn from the traditional IRA. So when you won't pay tax until you start using that money as income. All these retirement accounts are for people to save, invest for your future. And then, yes, when you're 60, 50, 65, whatever, and you're living off of your savings and you withdraw that money to cover your living expenses for the year, that is when you will be taxed at the income tax rate. So it's a pretty simple concept there. And this traditional IRA makes sense for people who think they'll be in a lower tax bracket when they retire. So maybe you you know, make a certain amount now, be like, all right, I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. I'll pay taxes at that time on this income, on this amount. That's the basis for it, for the generally speaking. But people like really harper, lose sleep over what to do on this. As long as they're saving, investing, understand where your money's going as far as, you know, which this accounts, it's, you don't need to lose sleep over which to pick. You can fund both. You can do stuff. As long as you're saving, you're going to be generally in a good spot at the end of at, in a, a few down the line. Now let's talk about the Roth IRA, which a lot of people also like. A Roth IRA is a great account because one thing about the Roth IRA, taxes, there's just this great benefit. You'll never pay tax on any investment returns you earn in the account as long as you go by the Roth, Roth IRA rule. So Roth IRA, again, great account for people. The Roth IRA is basically the opposite of traditional IRA, meaning the Roth IRA contributions already been taxed. So they grow in your account tax-free because they've already been taxed. The distributions that you make, the withdrawals you make later will not be taxed. There's no capital gains tax. It's already been taxed before. So there's no taxing on any of these. Um, you get So you get benefit of tax-free withdrawals in retirement because you've already paid tax on it. The earnings grow tax-free because you've already grow, paid tax on it. Because you made tax... You may pay the tax on your contributions, these grow. So the Roth IRA is different from the traditional IRA in the sense that it's an it's a after-tax account. So all the withdrawals, the earnings, all that stuff is tax-free in retirement. The money in the Roth IRA is, is stuff that you already pay taxes on. Though. So the contributions is, is already been taxed. So now there is income limits for the Roth IRA, right? So if your income is too high to open a Roth, in 2020, if you made more on an adjusted gross income basis of 206000 for a married couple or 139000 for a single filer, you cannot directly contribute to a Roth, but you can do a backdoor Roth, which is contribute to your traditional IRA, convert it to a Roth, which is what I do for a lot of my clients and help them get their Roth IRA going. So it's pretty... It's pretty simple, but you you also have limits there. But you can do a backdoor Roth on on that on that portion of your. But again, the Roth IRA is a great account um, that allows you to to grow earnings tax free. Well, after tax, excuse me, you've already paid tax on it. 
Um, so that's another good way to look at it. There's also ones for which I didn't dive into, but there's limit. There's also accounts for self-employed people. So you have a SEP IRA, which has large, it's a tax deferred account. So it's similar to tr- traditional IRA, but it has large contribution limits. So you remember the IRAs are 6,000 per year. Remember that's per year. You can always fund every year. And then um, there's for the SEP IRA, it's actually like 56,000 or the lesser of 25% of your income or 56,000. Um, so there, there's different ones. So we can definitely, and that's how I help people with, we help fund our IRAs, we get those going. And then we also put into our individual investment account if we max out our IRA. So my clients are well positioned to handle any of these different things. Um, and if you have all these tax questions or stuff, one, please consult CPA, help them have you figure out, you can always reach out to me with questions too. I've been able to help people and, and get people on the right path. If I don't know, we can look into an expert that may, Obviously, online's helpful. There's literally everything there as far as how that works. But again, stop you know freaking out about certain tax things. It's not something that's that hard or something that's gonna like ruin you. It's just really figuring out what makes sense for you and just going with it, not like losing sleep over the decision that you make when it comes to these accounts. They're pretty simple decisions. Um, so that's a basis of the roundtable this week. I want to give people a guide as always. Please reach out to me with questions if, you, if this makes sense or if you want to get set up with a Roth or traditional or individual investment account. I've helped so many of my clients across the country with it, uh, but we'll get you set up. And again, remember, this is something that I think makes sense for people that are thinking long term and understand the implications of saving correctly now. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm willing to help and I hope you guys enjoyed this this segment. Hey, personal update time. What is going on? It's a crazy week. I think we're all consumed with the election. So just watching what's going on with that. Uh, myself, I'm getting back on my, my my workout game, my eating game, eating correctly. Um, watch the Queen's Gambit. So I was obsessed. I think I talked about the vow last week, that documentary. But I was working and watching the Queen's Gambit. Great show, the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Netflix, which has the great best content for streaming good show made me want to pick up a chessboard i haven't played but i feel like i should pick it up can i be this good can i be an ultimate chess player i don't know i believe in myself and everything i do as you know so maybe i should pick it up maybe i should pick it up i don't even know what the rook moves how the rook the crook don't even know all the pieces but i now i'm thinking i could be do well in this this life (laughs) but uh great show the queen's game if you haven't seen it um Sports-wise, I think we we're NFL, of course, still going. They're talking about the NBA restarting in G- December. Is that too early? They the players have said that they restart in December. It's way too early. They're not ready. They need more of a break, and I kind of agree with them. They need it till January at least. Uh, but if they want to restart it in December, back to the bubble it seems, which is a, a long time uh, for people to be there. Um, but yeah, I think this week was just dominated by politics and what's going on. So we're heavily watching, um, you know, what is going to happen uh, for the country. Um, so that's that's what people are clued in on. So everyone stay safe, stay healthy. Um, appreciate you listening. As always, keep tuning in, keep subscribing, following, sharing, share episodes. If you find this helpful that, that you've been learning and reading and don't don't keep it to yourself share the episode support the episode you can always support in the bio so i appreciate all the people who are listening uh, uh and hope you guys have a great rest of the weekend weekend